0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. From the Gospel according to St. John. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Thus far, the text. You can almost see the sneer. You can almost hear the snort. You can almost feel the condescension, the skepticism in his voice, even though we're some 2,000 years removed from these events. Nathanael is approached by Philip with amazing and wonderful news. The Savior, the Messiah promised by God's Word and God's prophets has come to the people of Israel at last. But Nathaniel's reaction to this joyous news isn't much different from modern humanity's reaction, is it? Pretty much a, yeah, right, whatever sort of response. In Nathaniel's case, he even throws a little bit of ethnic and geographic prejudice in against Nazareth just for good measure. Nathaniel's skepticism does not dampen Philip's enthusiasm, however. Philip does not slink away, discouraged. He doesn't stomp off, angry at the rejection. He doesn't adopt the, "Well, if you won't listen to me right now in telling you the gospel, to hell with you then," sort of attitude that too many self-styled Christians have toward those who don't eagerly and immediately accept Jesus. Instead, Philip calmly and pleasantly makes a simple suggestion to his friend. Come and see. No pressure, no chastisement, no guilt. Just come and see. You see... Philip had been reached by the words of Christ and he trusted in those words and he trusted that Christ's words would have a similar effect on Nathaniel, which of course they did and dramatically, as we heard a moment ago in our gospel lesson. Some of you might have asked the question, if this is the feast of St. Bartholomew, then why is this fellow Nathaniel having such a prominent place in the reading? Where's Bartholomew? Well, In all honesty, I had to do a bit of a double-take when I first glanced at the lessons for today, too. It took a brief moment for my aging and ever-fading mind to connect the dots and realize, oh yeah, it's the same guy. It's one of those many places in Scripture where we're thrown a bit of a change-up on names. It's sort of like the issue with Peter and Simon and Cephas all being the same individual or where the Lord changes Jacob's name to Israel, and so on. In this case, it seems that Bartholomew was more likely either a formal or a derivative form of the man's family name, possibly like today calling somebody Smithy or Jonesy. On the other hand, unlike the other three gospel writers, Mark, Luke, and Matthew, St. John was a fellow fisherman on the Sea of Galilee, and he may have been quite familiar with Nathaniel. He alone among the evangelists calls Saint Bartholomew by his given name. That the important thing about Nathaniel or Bartholomew in our text today is not what we call him, but the fact that Christ called him, using Philip as his instrument to convey the gospel. The events that we read about here come as part of the early but continuing process of Jesus beginning to gather together those who would become his followers. These disciples would eventually be sent forth to communicate this same gospel to all those they would encounter during the rest of their lives. At the beginning of this series of events, the testimony given about Jesus as the Lamb of God by John the Baptist had convinced two men who had previously been his own disciples at the time, John and Andrew, to follow Christ. Andrew had, in turn, brought Simon to Jesus, where the latter was told that his new name would be Peter or Cephas, the rock. Jesus had then called Philip with simple but powerful words, Follow me. No doubt Philip had learned, whether previously or during the course of that same day in which he was called by Jesus, a great deal about who Jesus was, and about his teachings regarding the kingdom of God. Philip is so moved and excited by this gospel message that he seeks out Nathanael to share this news. And here, in stark contrast to Nathanael's initial reaction, we can almost see and hear and feel the joy and the glee in Philip as he tells his friend. We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote. The promises and the hopes of centuries, not just the hope of Israel, but the hope of all the offspring of Adam and Eve, was now coming to its full culmination and its fruition in Jesus, this man who had grown up in tiny backwater Nazareth. Salvation from the venom of sin and from the sting of death was being given to mankind in response to the good news Nathaniel has Merely a yawn, a so what? Can anything good come out of Nazareth, he says? For that matter, can anything good come out of Austin? Out of this congregation? Out of you and me? Or have you reached that point of cynicism and boredom where your Christian faith, your trust in, and your hope in the gospel message of salvation prepared for you in Christ Jesus just isn't all that exciting anymore. Do you come here on Sunday morning out of habit rather than out of motivation? Do you come here out of guilt rather than joy? Do you shower and dress and endure the car ride here because you're pushed to do so by others in your family? Or are you pulled here, drawn here because you recognize your sinfulness and your weakness? Do you really understand your desperate need for forgiveness? And do you come here seeking the distribution of that forgiveness in word and in sacrament? This early part of this gospel lesson, where Philip's enthusiasm is met with Nathaniel's scoffing, is but a small microcosm of what had been happening throughout the course of Jesus' ministry. Some Jews and some others who paid attention to the Scriptures, those who searched there to understand God's purposes and received His message with open hearts, would accept Jesus as the the Messiah. Others, those who either ignored the Scriptures or saw them merely as a historical account of the people of Israel or a prescription for morality or a model for the governance of society, didn't receive that offered grace in faith. So it remains yet today. God's word continues to reach many people, and yet it is rejected by many others. Even within many religious circles, the Bible has been reduced to merely a collection of myths and embellished historical events. Or a handbook for trying to determine what would Jesus do. Or a manual on how America should behave in order to please God. But God didn't leave Nathanael wallowing in his skepticism. Or else we wouldn't be here observing the feast of St. Bartholomew today. Nathanael had a friend in Philip. A good friend who had faith in Jesus. And Philip had a calm confidence about his faith. Confidence that allowed him to simply offer Nathanael the opportunity to come and see It's a classic example of relationship evangelism, which, if you stop to think about it, is really the only kind of evangelism that there is. After all, it's difficult for anyone to start any sort of relationship, let alone the sort of personal relationship with Jesus Christ that we know is essential to saving faith, unless there's been some sort of introduction. How much better when that relationship has been introduced and established through the work and the words of someone who already knows Jesus. In Philip's interaction with Nathaniel, we begin to see how evangelism works best. It's a personal thing. And whether it's one-on-one or on a much larger scale, it's about establishing, developing, and then using relationships in order to share the good news about jesus with family, friends, acquaintances and colleagues. if nathaniel hadn't known and hadn't trusted philip to some extent, do you think he would have been inclined to follow philip to go see jesus, to come and see? who do you know that needs to come here to this place to see and to hear and to touch and to taste that the lord is good? Do they trust you enough to come? Do you trust Christ enough to ask? All Philip did was to speak quiet, calm, patient words, giving his clear testimony about Christ. It wasn't some sort of personal experience story about how he once was a sinner but had found Jesus. Rather, Jesus had come to Philip And now Philip gives witness to the fact that Jesus was the Messiah, the promised Savior. That confidence and the gentle, unthreatening way that Philip presented the gospel to him convinced Nathanael to set aside his skepticism for a while and to at least come and see what this Jesus was all about. Jesus saw Nathanael coming. And of course, Jesus knew everything about him. He knew that Nathanael had been skeptical when Philip had first spoke to him and that Nathanael had made no attempt to hide it. In all honesty, but perhaps with a bit of a tone of good-natured teasing, Jesus declares, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. For his part, Nathanael is still a bit standoffish, maybe even still quite a bit cynical. How do you know me? He asks Jesus. It was then that the words of Jesus, the word of the living God, had their effect on Nathanael. In demonstrating his power and his omniscience by telling Nathanael, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Jesus convinced Nathanael that he was indeed the one about whom Moses and all the prophets wrote. He was the Messiah, the Son of God, the king of Israel. This is Nathaniel's great confession. In the speaking and in the hearing of the word of God, a skeptic became a disciple. A fisherman became an apostle. A sinner became a saint. Nothing good can come out of Nazareth or out of Austin or out of you or me, out of anyone, at least not on account of any goodness in those places or in those people who live there. But great good, great wonders, and the miracles of forgiveness, salvation, and eternal life do flow from God, from His church which continues to proclaim and convey His gospel, and from the faith that He has bestowed on you and on me. Yes, even we sinful and skeptical people. Today we commemorate Nathaniel. St. Bartholomew, in the certain understanding that he too carried no inherent goodness within himself. Yet we celebrate the gifts that God gave him, that he, like Philip before him, then conveyed a clear and uncompromising testimony that Jesus of Nazareth was the promised and the prophesied Christ, the Son of God. May our confession of Jesus as Messiah and Lord, like St. Bartholomew's, Remain faithful unto death. And may all of our doubts and our questions always be fully answered in the trustworthy Word of God. God grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.